This show is a mix of high and low. It's like a conversation at your local bar, but with more references to Plato. And like any bar conversation, there will occasionally be swears, so don't play this with your kids around. I'm your host, John, and joining me is my co-host, Francisco. We're both graduate students earning PhDs in philosophy, and we also teach undergraduate philosophy classes, so we hopefully know something about whatever it is we are discussing. On every episode of this show, we'll be joined by friends and colleagues for discussions. Sometimes we'll look at philosophical issues involved in current events and pop culture. Other times we'll consider perennial questions or classic texts. All of this will be done off the cuff with beer in hand. You can find this show on iTunes and SoundCloud, so please be sure to subscribe and follow. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. It helps other people find the show, and it means a lot to us. Joining us on this first episode a little bit later will be our colleague Jeffrey who's also a PhD student, but he decided he liked money and got a real job. Be a little old, we wanted to begin this episode by talking about Donald Trump's Warsaw speech and the issue of Western civilization. Say hi, Francisco. Hello. So recently, Donald Trump gave a speech in Warsaw in which he was defending Western civilization and touting its superiority to other things, notably Islamic terrorism. And so this sparked a big reaction online from people who didn't quite appreciate him talking about Western civilization and a lot of defenses of Trump. And so the one thing that really remained, at least in my view, undefined, was exactly what we mean by Western civilization. You know, Trump didn't really define Western civilization as much as he just kind of described generally Western values. He said, we value art, we value free inquiry, we value families, we value freedom, we value women. So that, to me, doesn't really describe what Western civilization is as much as values Western civilization espouses. Yeah, so there's an interesting thing about that, too. We have those generic points, and you can listen to those things and think, okay, that's true enough when you talk about, uh, for example, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, whatever. As vague as they are, as general as they are, still pissed a hell of a whole lot of people off on the other side who said, well, you know, that's just that's just code for white nationalists, you see, who are listening in for those key words. But at the same time, what's lacking, of course, is the why. Where are these coming from? What's the history there? And what's the real substantive answer to the whole thing? Because you're right, you can talk about Western Civ, but whenever I hear people talk about that now, I really wonder what the hell they mean by it or what they think they mean by it. Because if you talk to somebody on the left about it that's not very happy with that term, they seem to think that it has something to do with whiteness. And I'm not really sure... What they think whiteness means, does it mean English guys? Does it mean generally Anglo guys? Does it mean rednecks, Trump supporters? I mean, who are we talking about when we say white? Do we mean general European? And if so, does that also include Spaniards? Because one thing, of course, that you'll see some people say is that they'll talk about Mexico or Latin America as being non-Western. These guys are Spaniards. So what are we talking about? 
it could just be white. It could just be the way that, I don't know, maybe the Klan identifies whiteness, but I don't think that's really what we ought to be defending, nor do I think that's really what uh, the West is. But, but this does kind of get down to a fundamental def- definitional issue here, right? Which, obviously, we can talk about Western civilization historically, which does have a geographic center, which does have a tradition rooted in Ro- the Roman Empire and Christianity, and which we see expand with colonialization in, in North America and South America. And then we, we can talk about the West in that way, West versus East, as far as just people and nations, but we can also talk about West versus, well, whatever it is, non-West, at least for the time being, I guess we can say, in terms of ideas and values or underlying tradition. And the same people who are, who are critiquing Trump's speech and who are, and who are just shitting themselves in fear over, uh, over the supposed alt-right white nationalism are the same ones who would say, in the words of Obama, if you propose something, well, that's not who we are. Well, well who are we, right? Is, is this, are they defining themselves as part of the Western tradition and, and thus, you know, Western civilization stands for tolerance and, and generally progressivism and liberalism, or are they something that's post-Western? It, it's not quite clear the way people are talking about it, what the fundamental principle ought to be, and it seems to me that we can view it historically, view it culturally, but fundamentally... We're talking about something worth defending. We're really talking about, I guess, maybe three things. Culture in terms of art and traditions like that. Uh, religion and what you can broadly call, I don't know, a philosophy or ideology that we find permeating European and Anglosphere nations. Oh, and now we have Jeffrey joining us a little late, live from Phoenix. So, so the question then is, right, because when, when Trump was going off about all these, these values that, that embody Western Civ, I mean, he listed, he listed some that I, I think we could definitely say aren't what the traditionalist Western Civ person would, would, would say, like, I don't know, valuing women or some So ultimately, I mean, the question is, if it comes from a dead European white male, does it count as Western Civ? If we see there, there's definitely uh, periods of rupture, is the Reformation, for example, part of Western Civ, or is that a, a deviation from Western Civ? Well, well sh- shouldn't you be thinking about what what triumphed in Western Civ? Was it virtue, or was it individual liberty? That just seemed to be the thing we're championing, right? Championing, championing. And if it's individual liberty, then we ha- we apparently have the right to commit intellectual and social suicide, which I think we did several times, or and still are attempting to. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> or, le- or, or at least intellectual autoerotic asphyxiation, and we'll claim it suicide. It, you know, if it goes through. Well, right. Yeah, you you know you don't want that in the papers for the kids. Yeah. You know. Always. Think it could kids. be really good. You never know. You got to try it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not if you die first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm still not sure how to answer that question about. Let's take it to something a little bit more obvious. So, communism. Sure. So, is that part of Western Civ? Well, in a broader sense, it grew out of it. I guess in the same way that a parasite might be part of something. Sure. No, no, no. I do it. I think think that's wrong. I I don't think. I think it it, it just came out of 
the direction Western Civ decided to go. Yeah, so is there so, an so ideal? Our, I, mean, I mean, what's our demarcation here? Whereby yeah. we can judge, I don't know, a perversion or something that breaks off and that is, that is definitely going against the stream, even if we can trace it back, because you can say, okay, Marx is influenced by Feuerbach, Feuerbach is influenced by or, you know, appropriating Hegel, Hegel's coming out loosely of Kant, Kant is synthesizing Descartes and Hume, and yeah. so for most people, the idea of the the Renaissance is, oh man, that that's 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 as Western civi as it gets, right? You know, we question everything. Well, right, but I mean, that, but that's one. So so the Renaissance is under the impression that they're restoring the the classical Greeks and the Roman orders and all of that but they're only restoring the part that they like so Hume's a, well Hume's a, you know a member of the Scottish Enlightenment right so bringing back the the ancients right meant for them basically bringing back the mechanists and and the and the skeptics or the cynics they're they're yeah. all they're all huge fans of that stuff and they're just like ah oh, you know Plato's all right <laughs> Aristotle who needs it yeah, I mean, Plato at least did a little bit of poetry or some Aristotle. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was the guy that the Scholastics like. We're not going to have any part of that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, on on this count though, I I think that we we kind of the the issue the problem with the entire issue of Western civilization is that we have this mishmash where certain people pick the strains they like from the geographic, ethnic, or broader intellectual tradition. And they pick those and they say, that's what matters because that's what I like. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Rather, than trying to have, rather than trying to have a proper synthesis where you can say, well, look, if you're going with, from Aristotle through the scholastics, Locke, maybe not my cup of tea, but there, there's elements where he's jiving with, with kind of, you know, the ancient medieval uh, Restylian tradition. Yeah. You know, sure. And, and so, so in those ways, right, in those ways we can definitely see – Okay, there's there's definitely a continuity there, if not of uh, direct derivation of ideas, at least of themes and a compatibility yeah. that we've inherited. I mean, it seems like you got to distinguish between two modes of talking about it. So one way would be, let's say, taking it more materially, just historically. So in that mode, yeah, you're going to take all the moderns, you're going to take all the stuff that you wouldn't like if you like Aristotle. And that's going to be included in, let's say, the broader Western canon. That's what we would mean by Western civilization. So in that sense, sure, Marxism is part of it insofar as it grew out of what was going on then in Western Civ and, well, what's still going on. But um, the other sense, which is what I think we'd want to talk about it, uh, or we'd want to talk about it in this sense as philosophers would be uh, a normative sense. We put it in a normative sense. So in other words, we're picking the guys that we like, sure, but we're picking what we liked based on what we think is true and good. So which sense of Western Civ are we talking about? Are we talking about the normative sense in which we would say Western Civ, okay, well, you know, there was some good stuff that happened with Judaism. There was some good stuff that happened with the Greeks and the Romans. That all kind of comes together with Christianity, and then that develops pretty well until, well, <laughs> the modern age. And 
and things start kind of getting a little weird. So coming back to the current event stuff, whichever way we're talking about, right, it seems to me that nobody's talking about it in either of those two ways because nobody really understands either of them, either just either from just a historical standpoint or from the standpoint of just ideas and truth, you know, which ones are, let's say, the good ideas or the good heritage of Western civilization cutting out the bad stuff. Not in sense of ideologies, but in just sense of what's true. It seems like what most people want to talk about instead are what I would think are the boring bits and all that discussion, which would be, well, what color were the guys who said this or that? Where did these guys live? What about what they said? Yeah, well, not, well, just, the not just what they said, but what they practiced uh, right. that, that followed from what they said, because we obviously shouldn't put Western Civ up on some pedestal where we where we claim that, well, it was flawless except for these <laughs> over here who weren't with the program. <laughs> right. Well, right. right. Like, so, like they so don't count as part of the historical if, thing. If we want to call it one, we have to figure out the the predominant feature that that gives it gives it a unity. And I have a thesis. I'd like to hear yours first, though, both of yours. Liberty. Nothing but yeah. untrammeled, pure libertarian exploitation. Are you saying that's now or in the, general? No, no, in general. That's what the entire dialectic was moving towards. Towards getting your wet whenever you wanted. I mean, come on. Oh, I see. Yeah, sure. Okay, so... <clears throat> So what do you what do you think, Francisco? Are we talking about it as a as a whole, or are we just yeah, talking about yeah. well, if um, we want to if we want to keep like if we want to keep shit. calling it if we want to keep calling it Western civilization, yeah. what's the defining feature? If we're thinking about it historically, I would think that even now, Christianity is still at the center, whether positively or negatively. That's what was the uh, synthesis after. The Romans and the Greeks, right? But, but but we want to include those time periods, so it can't yeah. it can't be that. Yeah. So you want to think even more broader than that, right? Well, yeah. So the, the from the yeah. beginning till now, right? We from the beginning, yeah. Yeah. So what would so it, right? So what would include both the pre-Christian stuff, Christian era, and and now whatever the hell we are now, right? Exactly. Whatever we are now. So I, my thesis is that it's a kind of uh, democracy, like the the first the first principle being freedom. So it seems to me that you know through all of the the different political systems, because I don't want to I don't want to say right that it's all it's all been a democracy because it's obviously it has not been right. We have various monarchies, dictatorships, emperors, yada yada, right? Mm -hmm. But in the intellectual sphere. The willingness to entertain different uh, ideas—that seems to be something that—and and the possibility of one idea outstripping another just based on popularity. Yeah, no, no, I think that's a very plausible, plausible view, and that definitely fits with the way we talk about ourselves now, right? The 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 idea of of open inquiry. And of, of not uh, ideally uh, shutting down debate based off of just some sort of top-down authoritarianism. Right. Okay, so there's even, a freedom there, but for what purpose? So is there I a mean, unity in that? 
I think you see a breakdown, at least intellectually, you yeah, know, yeah. with the Enlightenment. Um, well, it becomes, it the, becomes the negative understanding freedom. of it. Yeah. Well, the, the, the widening, widening this notion of freedom to an incoherent notion, I think, is what happened to us. Like, if Stripping we look the meaning at, if, away from it. Yeah. If we, look at, if we look at the way the Greeks understood freedom, the Romans understood freedom, and the Age of Faith understood freedom, you get a total reversal in the early moderns and, and on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, you're right about that. Yeah, so, so, so while, while the freedom in principle at the beginning was to find out what the good thing was for human beings, yeah. it, be, it became this thing that just went this way or that. Okay, so let's say the difference between then and now. So broadly speaking, you're right. So we're talking about the desire to be free, but how do yeah. we understand true freedom? So in the uh, with the medievals and before that, what they had in common when they thought about, let's say, liberty, right? Yeah. Their understanding of freeing themselves is tied to the true good, finding the true good and holding on to that will set you free yeah right? living a life within that so you can find that not i mean obviously in the gospel right but even beyond that just thinking even back to plato and aristotle when they're talking about the free man mm -hmm. what makes him free yeah okay so we have that on the one hand of course and now what do we mean by freedom well we just kind of mean doing whatever the hell you want and this idea of some kind of overall goodness, some kind of objective good, well, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of passe, isn't it? It's just whatever makes your go at the end of the day, at least now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it seems that on this count, then, we, we have to look at there's a base-level notion that's continuous. And it seems that the Enlightenment notion that you find in Locke that you find in Hobbes, that freedom is the absence of external constraint, yeah. is your baseline idea, which you see a development of and a refining of in the context of, of Plato, Aristotle, and the medievals. And then with the Enlightenment, we kind of go back to square one, both for uh, philosophical, uh, historical, and political reasons. And so there's something good there is something true there about the freedom of uh from restraint and from external constraint which is a true good it's just that it ends up becoming the sole defining feature without the added notion of the good which was built upon it through subsequent thinkers we kind of abandon that and we go back to the base level of freedom so i think that that your idea there jeffrey is is fundamentally sound and can help us account for derivations and and what we might even call setbacks as far as intellectual development while still yeah. seeing a continuous tradition. I think that's that's the the one thing that we can point to that remains sort of our feature, right? Struggling. Yeah. Even even now with this, you know, with all of the the constraints on language, you see you see a lot of rebellion against that even among the people who who maybe formally supported that side of discussion right mm -hmm. now the here's the other good thing about jeffrey's point there is that it 
helps you understand, too, why if you're coming at it, especially from a religious standpoint now, which is where you'll find, let's say, that traditional answer going back to the old view of freedom. Uh, mm-hmm. A Christian is going to say that, well, they're going to they're gonna look at the West in terms of uh, Christianity as the ultimate turning point, right? That's the, yeah. the apex of the West. But why would they do that? Because what what is it that Christianity does for you? Well, it gives you true freedom. And if you want to be even more specific than that, which each Christian denomination, they're going to say, well, okay, yeah, it's Christianity, but it's, you know, Catholicism, Orthodoxy, whatever. But whichever one you pick, the ultimate answer is going to be the same. And I think that that's going to also hold true for... I mean, even a communist, because even a communist is going to tell you ultimately that, well, why is it good? Well, because this will set you free. Yeah. Now, if we step outside of that, the question that obviously has to be asked is, well, which one of those is right? They're all yeah. competing on those same grounds. So that's what that's what's going to unite them, that question of freedom. Uh, so how do we understand freedom and what's the truth about it? Yeah, no, and, and there I, I think we can find maybe the external criteria, right? Because here we can say, okay, look, there's a base-level understanding of freedom throughout. And so what, so what we then have to do is add in the anthropological focus. What is man? What is the understanding of man and his purpose? Exactly. In order to, in order to establish what freedom or what variety of freedom and the means of freedom are truly the correct one and then be able to show where there's the deviations from those that aren't. Because if you look at Marx, yeah, I know it's definitely freedom. It's freedom from alienation. It's freedom from uh, right. oppression by capitalist masters. But that's based off of this materialistic notion of man that Marx has, right? Marx says that man is defined as that which labors, right? And so if you're alienated from the fruit of your labor, you are subhuman or, or you're not fully human. And so we're going to free you from those oppressing you and keeping you from being fully human. Now, yeah, and we're going we're gonna to elevate you to this new level of humanness that's even more free, you superhuman. Well this, well, this new level of humanness, well, that's yeah. Nietzschean, but uh, the reading I always took on Marx was he was saying, look, all the, all the proles, they're, they're really not human right now, and we need to give them their humanity. Right? Their humanity is being denied to them, and they're not being able to be fully human because he defines humanity in terms of activity, not in terms mm-hmm. of an intrinsic nature. Mm-hmm. So, so in that that respect, I think we can see at least an overall general common theme of uh, helping people be fully human, yeah. whether it be by living the good life in Plato, Aristotle, and Aquinas, whether whether it be pursuing you know uh, happiness in some generic, ill-defined Jeffersonian sense, or whether it be free and and be fully human in the sense of uh, socialist paradise in Marx, there is a notion of fully realizing your humanity to whatever extent you can. I guess you might even say this is in the existentialist and true authenticity. You know, that, uh, I that think so, yeah. And, and so I, I think that's the additional thing here, right? Is that freedom is a freedom to be fully human, to, to fully perfect yourself. The question is then, what is that consistent? And that's going to be entirely based off of what you think a human person is. Yeah. 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 So taking all of that into account, I think you can start to see once you really start thinking about it like that, why it's so fucking dumb to just say, well, 
It's just white guys. White nationalism. That's what's a bunch of fucking white guys here. Richard bunch of Spencer. Fucking white guys. Right. But but that, that that's where the real problem comes in for those uh, for those ill educated uh, defenders of yeah. um, of Western Civ because they end up defining it as freedom but without taking into account that the anthropological side, the notion of the good. Or yeah. I mean to go back to Plato, the notion of colon kaagathon, the beautiful and the good. Like what we are Which, actually pursuing. Yeah. Even those that don't buy into all that, right? Even those, let's say, on the postmodern side, on the atheist side, whatever, they would at least acknowledge those things as, you know, generally speaking, good things, uh, or at least the way in which you would describe something that's good. But, you know, of course, then the question would be, uh, if we're thinking about people now, and if we're thinking about people that are more on the subjectivist side of things. So they use those general t categories, they use those general terms, but they just apply them to, I don't know, something like piss Christ or whatever, or yeah. well, is, aren't we, <laughs> noise aren't we in or a, something. <laughs> well, we're in the bizarre situation of where you have, uh, you know, the alt-right types or the, you know, right. the, the hard libertarian, right? The, the hard libertarian doesn't understand that humans that a human beings a social animal right yeah and then it, but it, but their their notion of liberty is almost the same as the hard leftist Marxist right right yeah because the only difference is that the le the leftist Marxist wants the state to enforce your libertarianism mm. right mm -hmm. exactly and, yeah and, yeah. and, and, and then under a libertarian it's just self enforced right yeah. But it's the same yeah. thing. It's license and not to be meddled with, right? There's some there's some universal notion in both, and it's like not to be interfered with, except for when, you know, uh, in the leftist Marxist case, it's like, well, they consider a lot more things interference than the the traditional libertarian does. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. that's the frustrating bit right there because you have, of course, if you start talking about. Uh, all these kind of problems with, um, let's just say, you know, this lack of true goodness, true freedom, et cetera, et cetera, right? Subjectivism, all that sort of business. The tendency or, or maybe the temptation is to immediately think of the hard left, but it's not just them, right. <laughs> even on the other side. So it's kind of like we're this little voice that's caught in between that's saying, yeah, both of you aren't really getting it. Uh, yeah. You're getting something. You're getting a fragment of it, Most but of you you're have, missing the essential piece that makes the difference, right? Right. Both of yeah. you have crap notions of freedom. Exactly. And, basically, and you're, you're basically the same person. Right. So both of you should start crying immediately. <laughs> uh, to play devil's advocate against against this, uh, this consensus we've gotten, what's f***ing Western about this? I mean, isn't this, as some would say... You know, aren't these just universal values of, of freedom and fulfillment and uh, self-perfection? Doesn't, you know, if we're defining the West right now in contrast to, let's say, uh, Islamism, don't they think that you get freedom through through submission to Allah or, or, or something like that? So so what is unique then about about the Western notion of freedom that we, that we find throughout uh, throughout the different intellectual traditions? Well, I find it troubling that Islam is not included in Western civilization. The, the, the first thing I want to say is if we're going to include uh, Israel and the Hebrews in it, right, which is 
the Middle East, and and they weren't Hellenized for quite some time, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to say that's part of Western Civ. What, what are we going to say about Islam? And basically all its contact, you know, was relatively similar, right, with the nations of Europe. Mm-hmm. Do we include Islam once it becomes Hellenized in some way? And then it suddenly joins the tradition. Well, you know uh, what's what's fucked up about that is that wasn't it? I mean, if yeah. you think back to <laughs> it, 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 it went in reverse. It comes, so. from, it comes from both of our traditions, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's definitely just a member of the West. I just don't see how it's not. So yeah, I mean, if we're talking about Averroes Avicenna, it seems pretty weird to me to say that that's not Western. Oh, no, that's definitely Western, but, but I, mean, I think Jeffrey's more basic point is this is the God of Abraham. Exactly, yeah. and that's, and yeah, so now, of course, you could say, well, they're wrong. Okay, fine, but sure, right, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're going to say that about uh, say a, lot a lot of, of other people. people that are Western, yeah. too. Yeah. Hell, we're going to say that about f***ing Occam, and <laughs> pretty <laughs> oh, sure he's Western, too. <laughs> Occam? And Duke gets a, medieval. Duke gets a bad rap. Duke gets a bad rap. I gotta say. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, I'm still gonna talk trash about Abelard, even though you know he did some fine things. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So why is Islam confusing? I guess it would have to be because their particular history and their own tradition seem to go in reverse to our own. And yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of so they start out and. They have some pretty impressive guys in math and philosophy, guys that influenced, let's say, our own, if we're thinking of ourselves more either as uh, Europeans or Catholics, whatever. Fine. And then what happened? Well, then I guess somebody pooped the bed and a more, from what I understand, militant wing of it that seemed to be more iconoclastic, anti-intellectual, that seemed to prevail, and so the progression of the culture stagnated at that point. But, but is that an accurate well, description? No, see, see, see it, it happened more than once. Yeah. See. So, so uh, after, after uh, the, Spain was reconquered, right, mm-hmm. that's when, that's when they, they turn against their intellectual tradition. Right, they become they become more radical because they're in danger of actually losing uh, their foothold. But then that that lasts for a while. But then the Ottomans they start they the, the typical thing is that they do aggressively expand. That's just the, what they've been doing. But when they conquer the territory, it was you know there were a lot about there's a lot about the Ottoman Empire that was you know relatively open, but. After after uh, Europe beats the Ottoman Empire again, right after World War One. After World they, War One, yeah. Yeah, they they redraw all the countries, right? And on top of that, during the colonial period, right? They've been educating them in their own language, right? That's the way that's the way the British operated, and I'm sure other other colonies followed suit. But but going back to the point yeah. that, that Francisco had earlier when you were talking about yeah. Abelard, yeah, and of Airways, I mean, those guys weren't exactly beloved by the religious authorities or whomever, right? Well, so, yeah, so so so, sure. so, 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 so what, what I'm thinking is that 
it seems that, and, and I don't want to get into the what's the true Islam debate, um, but couldn't we say, well, it seems like the Westernish tendencies are those which seem to run contrary to the religious authorities. And, and, so, and so even if it does spring out of Western, uh, uh, Western traditions, that it's not necessarily in continuity with the general intellectual tradition. Or maybe that's just simply how we'd see it now, perhaps, in our own perhaps. context. Because no, no, no. no, no look, 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 let's look at this a, a little closer. So, so Plato talks about the Greek gods in a way that gets him tried, right? Mm-hmm. Or Socrates. I'm sorry. <laughs> Socrates talks about the the Greek gods in a way that gets him tried for atheism and then inventing new gods, right? All right, all right, Strauss, go on. What? That, that's what that. What that <laughs> yeah, that's not Strauss. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Okay. <laughs> I'm a close reader of texts, but you, you don't read them that closely. <laughs> yeah, yeah but correct no, me if I'm wrong, but I can't I'm talk saying... myself out of it actually being there. <laughs> These are just this is basic apology stuff, okay? Studio <laughs> man, but uh. Uh, let, let's let's put it in these terms because faith and reason is our jam, right? So if we're looking at it uh, in in the way in the way you suggested, yeah, we have we have this constant check on religious authority by means of reason. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then you get the great synthesis in the Middle Ages. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's I think that's great. I think that, I think that's actually the narrative that 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 pervades. That actually does pervade. Okay, so then going off that, it seems that if we're thinking about Islam on the one hand, and I don't want to say just liberals or anything, because it's clearly not just one side. Uh, let's just say moderns, generally speaking. It seems like at that point. The synthesis is broken. It's broken on both sides, but in different ways. So uh, in what most people would call Western, which in the modern ages would really just be European, because Islam didn't go in this direction, obviously. But with the Europeans, their traditions seem to go in just, you know, poo-pooing faith altogether and just say, well, no, here's reason alone. Yeah. On the other hand, with Islam, it seems now the tendency is the opposite: faith alone. Mm-hmm. Of course, you have well, this with Protestantism, exactly. Too, right? With with modernism, exactly. Yeah. What do you get with modernism? You get but you get fideism. Yeah. Yeah. Whether whether it's for Christianity or secularism, it doesn't matter. It's still fideism. Well, or, or yeah, I mean, you could say it's rationalism, but uh, uh, I'm not going to go go ahead and call it that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, thinking about uh, you know Eddie and Jillson's unity of philosophical experience, you know, where where he basically, you know, as you know, he's arguing that uh, we can characterize, you know, intellectual inquiry or philosophical inquiry as a series of experiments. I mean, the Middle Ages is basically seen as ending in skepticism because of a fideism. I mean, yeah. that I mean, we we're, we're led yeah. to an anti-intellectualism, and so it seems that right. So it seems that that that's the other component, right? That kind of goes with the 
rationality checking religious authority or, or checking, uh, we might even just say dogmatic orthodoxies. Yeah. Uh, if we have it, you know, today with some sort of secular humanism. Um, and that that's what leads to the dead ends. And it seems like that's a fundamental human tendency. And then yeah. what we can characterize as the, the, the truly Western character is the check against that, the, re, the restarting. And yeah. that's due to the fundamental underlying commonality that we've been hitting on. Well, the full, yeah, the fullness of, of human expression is in both of those things, right? In, in faith and reason. And if you, if you neglect one, human beings will suffer. Yeah. Right. So I think we solved the problem, huh? I think we solved the problem. So, so just to sum up, what defines Western civilization is a desire for and working towards liberty and a fundamental notion of liberty as a key component to human flourishing. But the problem ends up coming in to the notion of what a human being is besides something involving reason in some way. And that all, all uh, derivations um, of it have that as their fundamental principle. Whereas all blind alleys, all, all heresies, so to speak, and all things that seem to be anti-Western come from some mistake within the anthropology, either going in a overly religious sense where it's just purely fideist or going in terms of some false anthropology that ends up taking something outside of what's properly human to be the good. Yeah. Right. So... With the anti-Western sense, and coming back to that part, yeah. Well, if we're taking it from a normative standpoint, what anti-Western would mean then would be something that gets you away—one of those errors, like you mentioned—that gets you away from true freedom in the objective sense. So everybody's making a claim to this, from uh, Islam to Judaism, Christianity, communism, whatever the hell you want. They're going to define it some way. Which one is right? If we're thinking about, again, the West in the ideal sense of it, that's what it's going to be. But it's not, let's say, anti-Western, if by anti-Western we simply mean in a historical sense, not Western or Eastern or something. So the point there would be that you can talk about anti-Western in the sense of true versus false, in the sense of what's right and wrong on that very question of freedom. What gives you true freedom? What's the right picture of a human being? But not so much anti-Western in the sense of, uh, again, just saying that it's not that. So uh, Catholicism is the only true West. Uh, the Roman Empire is the only true West. You know, communism, well, and, whatever. Well, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be the case that the, the, the thing that would really, would really kill it is when you no longer think there's a right answer to those questions? Mm -hmm. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, so that, you that's the just think there's an it? answer. Yeah, well, that you just think there's this answer now that that I can persuade people is right, but I don't. I no one, no one thinks it's true, or at least true forever. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'd say that uh, now. The the funny thing about that answer now is that the people who are gravitating toward that now, uh, just there is no right answer, and freedom is just do whatever the hell you want. They see that as true freedom, right? Even though in reality it's the opposite. It leads you away from that completely. Yeah. So it's anti-Western in that sense, right, in terms of it being so wrong that it leads you to the opposite of where you actually want to be. 
Right. But uh, I guess we could say in a very, very broad sense, it's part of, I don't know, a general view of the West in terms of having that prime motivation of still uh, not only wanting freedom, but even just historically, these are these are views that are coming out as a reaction of, you know, this or that other Western thinker or um, as far as we understand the Western canon. I think we talked about that a little bit already, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to, to kind of bring this to, to the current state as, as we are, getting back to the initial Trump speech and the reaction, right? We were talking earlier about kind of the silliness of those trying to cast this in racial terms. But yeah. I think we would say that generally a lot of the ideologies being espoused are uh, anti-liberty, even if they're for this kind of you know perverted Marxian sense, Marxist sense. In what way then you know can we truly uh, say they're anti-Western? I guess it would be against the full normative sense in terms of a properly interesting anthropology, right? In terms of the truth, yeah. In terms of yeah. what the goal is and what the right answer is. Now, here's something that uh, I think would be worth doing. So we've been talking about this, obviously, on the deeper point of what it would be philosophically. But let's think about a little bit more, not so much how the, uh, the crazies here or there at Berkeley or wherever other place might define it, but uh, let's bring it back to maybe the common person, even Trump. What do you think they think Western means? So again, we're not thinking about the crazies now, but just a normal person. I think they might just say something like, at least to start out with, well, America, right? Which, which Western does, Europe? Well, 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 but that does raise an interesting thing, because um, if they're thinking about this as far as a historical tradition, not just an intellectual tradition, the... American ideals are very Anglo. They're very much rooted in England as a, in opposition to the continent. So there is a big distinction between, I think we would want to say, continental Europe, where we see the tendency towards freedom manifesting itself in the French Revolution, and a tendency towards freedom manifesting itself in the American Revolution. And those are very different tendencies towards freedom, and very different notions. And if you look at the way Europe's gone, especially post-war Europe, we see more of an assimilation towards the American or Anglo ideal of uh, kind of a limited government freedom, or at least a, you know, a, a kind of a democracy. Whereas in Europe, there were more tendencies towards centralization, towards statism. And even if we still have them, they're not as bad as they were under, say, Napoleon or under Mussolini or Hitler, definitely. So it seems to me that the average person probably thinks about the West in terms of the general values of the founding and, and those that can be traced in a line from, say, the Magna Carta onward. That's what I think most people think of it as in terms of negative liberties and, and, uh, and personal autonomy. And, and that definitely has a root, as we were saying, in the, deep, in the deep-seated or fundamental intellectual continuity. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, well, I think it's yeah, I think it's interesting because when you say America, you're not wrong even on the philosophical level, I think. Now, there's more to it, of course, but um, what I find interesting about that kind of answer and just thinking about it in the common sense 
if you explore fully what would we mean by America, you're going to get that heritage there. And I don't know, I guess to me, I always think back to that Russell Kirk book, The Roots of American Order. And that starts you out with the um, the Jewish tradition, mm-hmm. Greco-Roman tradition, Christianity, et cetera, et cetera. That kind of gives you your great books canon, which I think gives you a good picture, at least in a material sense, of what would constitute uh, Western Civ, right? That Western canon. And I think with the, the, with the founders, even in a normative sense, they were on the right track. Maybe not perfect, right? They're... Maybe um, certain things you could quibble with here or there, say, oh, this is too Protestant or whatever. Okay, but um, still a lot better than what happened on the continent. Still a lot better than the French Revolution. And if then we take it to the common man's understanding now, right, I think it's something in a kind of tradition. Aren't we just talking about influence, though? That's why people would say America when you talk about the West? I think well, so. I don't think yeah, it's wrong. So, well, let's think about that. So, influence, yes, but what do you, do you mean influence in terms of um, just the general power structure now or something else? No, so so uh, in, in almost every way, right? So, uh, the imitation right, yeah, of, of, uh, of other countries for our constitutional republic, right? Right. So, they, they, not only did we influence, like, later developments of democracies right or republics but then we became the superpower for so many years right influencing trade influencing the east influencing just about everything right got our hands got our hands in everything that's true yeah so see yeah so that's why i think that's an interesting answer too if we're just trying to give you a simple loaded answer right just say america america (laughs) america so, uh, of course, you'll have people that cringe at that, but it's f-ing true. And just think about it. And it's true in multiple senses. It's true in a very basic sense of uh, influence and in just the sense of political strength or political maneuvering right now, obviously. But even beyond that, influence in the philosophical sense, too. And not only that, not only uh, influence after the fact, but let's say influence before the fact, if we're uh, thinking about what was it that the founders were taking from, what were they continuing, what heritage were they moving on with, right? What pieces were they picking up and what did they build? And if we're thinking about this in a practical sense too, uh, I would also point out that, well, what is it that worked? Right. Yeah. What is it that mm-hmm. led to real prosperity and real goodness in a very practical, real sense? And I think it, it's just willful ignorance to say that uh, look, looking back on the last 200 years, we f***ed up somehow or we're the bad guys. Right. Other people had it going on. No, I don't think so. I think that we succeeded for a reason. And I don't think that was all an accident. And I also don't buy this whole idea of uh, white patriarchy, colonialism, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
I don't well, buy the whole revisionism, <clears throat> America sucks, Obama narrative. So, on on this then, would would we be saying that the nation that is best embodied consistently um, the general ideals or or fundamental common themes of Western Civ is America? Best absolutely or right now? Well, right now, I think I would say yes, among all the variants. Yeah, see, among, that's the thing. Right but, now. But, 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 but absolutely. Right now, uh, absolutely, I'm not sure. But then again, absolutely, what what would we say? I, I mean, even if we went back to medieval Christendom, it's not like that was perfect either. No. There uh, may have been certain, even just politically, there may have been certain things that maybe they had a little bit more solid than we do, at least now. I don't know. but Although I, I don't think you can I'm really evaluate sure. America's, yeah. America's success without bringing in the idea of the Industrial Revolution and right. technological advancements that have brought about greater equality and or greater means to be able to uh, just be free from just economic realities that, that oppressed people in the past. Right. But here's the thing, too. Those... So those uh, realities that you're mentioning now with the Industrial Revolution, technological advances, those didn't happen in a vacuum either. So we would want to say if we looked at those that, well, that's coming from some kind of fertile soil. Well, yes. You see what I mean? So No, 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 no. um, I definitely agree with that. But I'm saying vis-a-vis America. Yeah. uh, Is America possible? Or Or if America best epitomizes this. Is that possible without the technological developments, without these things that have happened? Well, see, what I'm saying, though, is that I think that the technological advances happened because of America. I think they go hand in hand. Uh, I don't know. But it's a hard question, though, because it doesn't seem like, I mean, would anything really satisfy that uh, answer? Because... Ultimately, we're dealing with a total package of things. So um, for whatever shortcomings we may have in, uh, let's say, the, I don't know, traditional philosophy of what America is, and I don't know, let's, let's just bring it back to Locke or something. Obviously, there might be some issues there. But if we're looking at it from the standpoint of a total package, certain things that uh, may have led to problems like um, the bad definition of freedom that we have now in themselves could also lead to good things too in terms Mm -hmm. of uh, the capitalistic system with advancement of technology, things like that. So I don't know. There's, There's good and bad in that package. And it seems like if you take away the whole system, you might get rid of some of the bad consequences, but you might also get rid of some of the good things that have popped up, I think, maybe because of that very system, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no. So we I have a mixed bag, right? You know, I understand what you're saying. I guess I'm just thinking that, you know, the, the question would be maybe rephrased this way. If we say that part of the overall defining feature of Western Civ is a focus on freedom as ordered towards human flourishing... And would would we say, well, obviously it's hard to know because it really comes down to the individual lives. And we don't know about the individual lives of just regular people. 
throughout history. You know, what was, you know, was the surf flourishing in, in the proper sense, you know, in, in medieval, in medieval France or, or was the average citizen, you know, in the demos, right, of Athens flourishing. Um, but, but would you have been happier or more fulfilled as a human being in Athens, in, um, you know, the Holy Roman Empire, in, uh, you know, medieval Christendom, uh, in uh, Reformation Germany, uh, the Elizabethan England, or, or America, you know, in the 20th century? These are, like, these yeah. are kind of the questions, right? And so, so my, my thought is, I'm not necessarily holding this as, as my own thesis, but my thought is that the, to the extent that we can say America truly embodies it, it's a mix both of being true to the tradition and having the means to alleviate the problems that, that can often put roadblocks up to human flourishing, and those are solved by technological means. And I do agree with you that those come out of the fertile soil of the Western tradition, that those make it possible to have that kind of flourishing and to have that kind of innovation and to have that kind of perfection. But without that, um, you, you take the American ideals, and it's pretty good, man. But, you know, are, you know I, I don't know if I necessarily want to go back to 17, 1789, uh, you know, with, with, that, with that state and say, would I be as, as, would I be as happy then as I, as I could be now? Maybe not then, but could be. I don't know. I mean, you know, well, uh, more money, yeah. more problems. What the to the point of you know, technology has uh, the industrial revolution has basically caused us not to have to worry about basic necessities of life. But the what what still hinders human flourishing is the intellectual side, the mm-hmm. the this this hamstrung notion of freedom that that it is our current culture holds mm-hmm. that, yeah. with all the all the technology all the technology that now we don't really have to plow the field or you know worry right. about the next meal and all of that stuff right that, that 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 doesn't turn into much when when you don't know what you're supposed to do with your leisure yeah yeah that's a good point yeah well that goes back to to your question earlier francisco freedom freedom for what Right. Yeah. So, so Jeffrey's getting back to Aristotle's ultimate point. Uh, although, well, not even really just there. I mean, it's not like the uh, it's not like Plato or the others didn't think the same thing. But obviously, where does philosophy even come from? What well, yeah. has to come from, and, and even art for that matter. So even before yeah. <laughs> thinking about Homer mm-hmm, or yeah. religion for that matter, um, you need. You need leisure to make that happen because if you can't think about these things, if you don't have real leisure, and of course that's another loaded term now too, isn't it? Because yeah. leisure oh, man, now just kind of means like I've got so much leisure or something, but <laughs> just well watching whatever. watching an endless <laughs> series of YouTube videos, man, that is happiness. Yeah, uh, baiting. <laughs> so. <laughs> So that, that's uh, that's leisure now, I guess, right? Just kind of whatever. Uh, I think I said it earlier too. Whatever makes it hard. So that's leisure. But that's not what leisure was then in the past. Yeah, although I I, I think that kind of ties in though. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, Joseph Pieper's you know book exactly, the yeah. Culture. So right. you know, the idea of 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 Western culture 
which embodies, and if we take culture in the broad sense, uh, is kind of what teaches us, right, uh, how we are to act and, and helps helps guide us towards these goals that we on our own can't find. I mean, people are awful at figuring out what will make them happy. That it definitely helps in that way, but only if the other aspects of culture are properly oriented. And the people yeah, it's called, time it's called common education and virtue, which doesn't exist. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right. So we can have all of these basic necessities taken care of, and that was that was a, a fruit of the industrial re revolution. Another fruit of it, however, was consumer. Right. Right. Yeah. The 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 proliferation of distraction. Right. And that's how you should spend your leisure time, not thinking about how your job is garbage. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> But you know, the trinkets and toys to make to make uh, make you think you're really doing well for yourself, and you yeah. know, and it's like, it, uh, you know, I, I remember a conversation I had uh, with, uh, you know, it was about five or six lawyers. They were corporate lawyers, okay. It was like a Thursday night at a at an Irish pub, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and I was just there, you know, I was gonna have my two drinks that I could afford and go home, but uh, you know, struck up a conversation with these lawyers and they liked me and uh. And, uh, and the, so they bought me drinks for the rest of the night, but they, they also got to talking to me. I start asking them questions because, you know, that's what I do. I say, well, you know, what, what's the purpose of a lawyer, you know? Mm -hmm. and, not, and not one of them could give me an answer beyond, well, it makes me a lot of money so I can buy things for my family and I don't have to worry. Yeah. Right? And you're, and you're like, well... And, you know, they, they start to say things like, I hate what I do, and I'm, I'm basically getting corporations out of paying out people in lawsuits, right? And, and, the, and they think it's despicable, but then they say, well, you know, all there is is my family and my own, you know? They got no understanding of why they chose this profession in the first place other than it made them a lot of money. Right. And, and they, have, they have a tribal, you know, not even tribal notion right like just straight familial right like bloodline notion of the community well i think that might actually be the answer right you know going back to our earlier point about what western civ is now for the yeah. average person right it's it's a tribal affiliation it's these traditions and these values are important because they're my values and they were handed down by my forefathers and you motherfuckers want to take them away from me and you're trying to step on what I've been living, right? My heritage. Right. And that so would be the that would be the right, and the left would be like the exactly. all of our fathers are garbage, and I hate my father. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Dad, I've got ideas too, Dad. They're intersectional yeah. ideas, Dad. Why don't you read a Get my book? Room, Mom. <laughs> Get out of my room, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why all these leftists go into religious studies because they hate the father. <laughs> now, what do you think about uh, what do you think about this? So, we're talking about, generally speaking, what the average person would say, not the crazies, but just the typical guy on the street. How about Trump? So he's talking about the West in his speech, and I think, as far as my own reaction, I would say that uh, with what he's talking about there, it seems like he's got some good instinct of what that might be, but uh, do you think that he has some 
grand vision of what the West means? Well, probably not. No, but I, I, I think I think a speechwriter <laughs> a speechwriter knew his history, and right. knew knew how to talk to the Polish people. That's about that's about the long and short of that. I think. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not bad. It's good. I mean, there's uh, yeah. there's truth there, but well, it's truth on a teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Now, but here's the thing, and this is this is where uh, where it starts to drive me crazy. So that's not mm-hmm. ideal, of course, because you have someone there that, at the very least, has maybe some gut instinct level of what sounds right there, and um, sometimes he's. Uh, right on or on the right wavelength but that's not real knowledge and you can kind of cut through that but hey at least it's better than somebody just saying well the west what you're talking about what do you mean the west and after eight years of that it's uh i don't know what to do Oh, so it's it's a it's better, but it's that's an not improvement saying, here. Well, yeah, it's an yeah. improvement, but it's an improvement from utter. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so, so it, did, it didn't take much to improve on that to get maybe a little bit more toward the right track, but it's not where we should be. I would say that for sure. Um, yeah, we, we have a child who likes his father. Yeah. <laughs> here are the actual words that Trump used. Um, he first says the world has never known anything like our community of nations. We write symphonies, we pursue innovation. We celebrate our ancient heroes, embrace our timeless traditions and customs, and always seek to explore and discover brand new frontiers. We reward brilliance, we strive for excellence, and cherish inspiring works of art that honor God. We treasure the rule of law and protect the right to free speech and free expression. We empower women as pillars of our society and of our success. We put faith in family, not government and bureaucracy, at the center of our lives, and we debate everything. We challenge everything. We seek to know everything so that we can better know ourselves. And above all, we value the dignity of every human life, protect the rights of every person, and share the hope of every soul to live in freedom. That is who we are. Those are the priceless ties that bind us together as nations, as allies, and as a civilization. Well, that's a that's a lecture to Europe that they've lost yeah. their way. Right. Yeah. Well, well, not to Poland, but yeah, to the rest of Europe. I know, not not to Poland. Yeah, not to Poland. <laughs> Obviously, not to Poland. Yeah, the, the Poles are pretty cool. They're, they're, why did, they're, they're pretty why chill, did we man. save you again? <laughs> why do we keep saving this? <laughs> well, you know, back to back world champs. We want a three peat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I wouldn't take away from uh, the speech itself. I mean, that's that's good. That's what we should be saying. That's where we should be going. Still, what what I like about it, at least, is that um, if you have the deeper knowledge, you'll still say, okay, yeah, you can mesh the two. You see what right. I mean? Well, yeah. Now, was... if you were if you were thinking about it in a bad way, I guess you could do that too. You know, you redefine some of those terms. All right, mm-hmm. sure, but. Seems to me like it's more on the right track, uh, and even if it is missing the um, the deeper stuff there, uh, which I don't know if they could defend that, if, if they could begin to, I don't know if that matters too much in the sense that as long as there's at the very least some 
internal recognition, some feeling for it. That's well, good for a, the office, at well, least, is, it, it, practically at least he, speaking. Well, hey, at least he made a number of universal claims, which are true. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, so, you know, right there, that's already going to rub people the wrong way, right? Yeah. So, are our expectations totally f***ed? I mean, because we're thinking about this. Yeah, it's good. He's, he's saying some general truth. Yeah. Uh, which is a, a big step up from again, <laughs> quite a few years of the opposite. I just wonder if, uh, I guess my only question there would be, is there a next level to that? I mean, of course we can think of the next level, but I mean, practically speaking. Well, in terms uh, of actual Trump, I, I don't I don't think we get beyond No, not, not Trump. Yeah, not Trump, but I just mean in general with um, with just a president that would know his shit on that stuff. So let's say you're real philosopher king. If you want to be a perfectionist about it, you could say, well, yeah, sure. he's It's a nice speech, but he's not... Uh, He's, he's not a philosopher. Um, how much of the West does he really know? What, is, what does he think the West is? Does he just think it's America? Does he think it's this broader thing? I mean... A but, real estate company? Yeah. <laughs> real estate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all in the employee manual, just for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but... Um, but I don't know. I guess my mixed feeling would be, sure, you could say that, but on the other hand, um, what he said was fine. Uh, and in the current context, I mean, that's really the thing, isn't it? That's well, it's the, just good that he didn't write it and he, that he's not responsible for writing these things because it would be horrible. Right. Yeah. Like, you've, seen him, you've seen him speak off the cuff. What a disaster. <laughs> like, we just did better yeah. in this podcast and we, weren't even, we didn't even prepare for it. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. We're just... I'm just sitting in my house in my underwear, and uh, I didn't, you know, do it yeah. in the middle of the night. <laughs> Get the visuals, you know, for radio. <laughs> oh, shit, I've been on mute. Oh, man, that's hilarious. <laughs> still better than I, I, Trump. I, I, didn't have, yeah. I didn't have much yeah. to say. Um, so, so, so it's probably, <laughs> probably better. <laughs> you know, uh, that's the only way I can actually achieve virtues with the mute button. Um, <laughs> we should probably uh, wrap up with, um, uh, with kind of a, uh, an exit question of some sort. It, it does seem that, that, the, uh, that the kind of the alt-right view of the West uh, ends up being just nothing but the tribalistic thing, right? And we're not seeing that in yeah. Trump's words. So any claim that he's dog whistling is just people who are overly sensitive and who have just who are begging the question. They assume Trump is an alt-right Nazi scumbag, and therefore yeah. if they can see anything that can be read that way, it's going to be that. Because when you read Richard Spencer, he doesn't talk about freedom. He doesn't talk about God. It's all about pigmentation, right? Right. Well, he talks about yeah. freedom, but it's freedom for white people. And the freedom yeah. that he's talking like about— is freedom from non-white people. I would like to see. I would like to see somebody explain the privilege that the poles have had for the last couple of centuries. Exactly. I'd like to. I'd like to see some Polish privilege, like, and what that what that defense looks like, that they're somehow uh, white privilege. You know, <laughs> they somehow have this. You know, being occupied by various foreign entities, and uh, you know, large swaths of them uh, executed. You know. So just, and just, still uh, fighting just for a Europe that abandoned them, yeah, you know. So, so just looking at the, uh, the, the transcript of the speech, it is funny that they that they do include 
Trumpicides in here. Yeah. Every night, the Poles oh, okay. put sandbags amid machine gun fire, and it was horrendous fire. To protect the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, God, he improv. <laughs> well, I guess that's going in there. <laughs> I'm going to add it was this. A, Is it that was okay? A horrendous fire. Yeah. Believe me. Believe yeah, me. Yeah. Believe me. I was there. <laughs> So, so here, here's the exit question, right? Here's the exit question for this. Okay. So, so we've been defining the West, and we've been accounting for seeming um, disparities, uh, heresies within the tradition, showing how things like Marxism, uh, etc., even though they're antithetical to the general Western tendency in a normative sense, nonetheless, in a historical sense, can be traced back and be, can be accounted for in this. So if that's what Western is... Who are we against? Who's the them? Who's, what's the non-West categorized by? What does it mean to be non-Western? Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, I might have to go pick up that, uh, you know, history of uh, Chinese philosophy book that I have on my shelf. But um, that's what I'm not sure on. Uh, yeah. You know, the most I can think of is Hegel's comments about, about freedom in the pagan nations were only... Only one is free and is worshipped as a god. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could get, we could, we could try to get into that maybe more a little later. But the, yeah, the, 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 it seems like a lot, a lot of the East decided that that people need to be told who they were. Mm. Right, and mm-hmm. what their function was, mm-hmm. and that lasted for a very long time. And I mean, it, it's established in you know Hinduism classes and everything else, right? Yeah. So you know, it, there, there's some there's some uh, some meat to to chew on that. Some more thought. I mean, I think we'd have to say based off our conclusions that it's definitely. Um, you know, an anti, an anti liberty, an anti liberty, right? Uh, there's not this yeah. notion of, of freedom as a key part of human flourishing, or right. if you have free will, it doesn't matter. Um, right. You just do what you're told. Right, as a secondary consideration. Yeah, and I think even I mean, you look at Eastern religion, the notion of you know, I mean, if you look at Buddhism, for example, the notion of, of fulfillment is nothingness. Uh, right, it's transcending and, and, and losing your distinct identity. Right, so and losing your personal. Yeah. yeah, there's something personal about it. Yeah, it's not self-perfection. Definitely not. It's per- Definitely not. it's perfection of everything. Yeah. Right. Like so, yeah, uh, yeah. Here's one thing to think about there too. So, if you're bringing up non-Western, anti-Western. I guess you could talk about it in two ways. One would be maybe something that is, um, of course, different from Western values if we think about the ancient East. But if we think about that in relation to the, uh, the political history of the West, was there much contact there? There's contact now. But yes. in the ancient period, could we say that we have these two civilizations on different parts of the planet just kind of doing their own thing. They're doing different things, but they're just kind of doing their own thing, not really messing with one another too much. 
Well, at least until Alexander. Exactly. Yeah. So at yeah. least until a certain point. Um, so I guess there's a possibility of non-Western as in different, but not really, you know, I guess a different world. But that's... Well, just, I mean, that's just geography. I mean, we don't want to... I mean, yeah. it's true that that's generally the case, right? That they, that, that has the initial uh, uh, accordance of Western yeah. is just geographic. Yeah. But that, but if we if we want to look at the difference in understanding uh, of human nature, or how what they did in response to their understanding of human nature, because maybe it's even basically yeah. the same, or at least very similar, right? So, mm -hmm. it, but it, but and you can see the the reasoning, right? It's like, well, have you seen what people do when they're allowed to do what they they want? And so if they understood that and they're like, uh, they, they need to be, they, you know, people without our, you know, uh, whoever, however they decided it, the most intelligent or whatever, right, or the most cunning of them becomes the ruler and then puts everyone where they ought to be. So to keep them from, you know, save them from themselves, as it were. It seems that now, though, we're dealing <laughs> with a time where... Uh, that's we're far beyond that point because if we're going to talk about a time where we were completely separate and there were no there's just no interaction between the two we're going to have to go back a ways but regardless even if you want to put that up to alexander hell even after that i guess you'd have to ask well uh did the medieval thinkers in europe give a really about what was going on in China or vice versa as far as their intellectual tradition goes. I don't know, but it uh, doesn't seem all that relevant now, at least in the sense that technology has advanced to a point where there's, I mean, a crazy amount of communication. So clearly there's communication well, between everybody now, so... Well, but there was communication as soon as they had ports and trade. Exactly, right? yeah. So, so, but now you can, you know, there, there's obviously uh, far more ways to, to infiltrate, you know, their society with ideas, but, but the, the fact that they still exist with all of this tells you there's something ideologically different. Right. right? China persists, right? And it, you don't want to call it... Uh, you know, an emperor, but it's the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have you have they've... the dynasty, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's secularized. It's no longer you know God on earth, but it might as well be. And and I mean, Japan was a state Shintoism in World War Two, mm -hmm. right? Which is yeah. the God Emperor in World War Two. That's nineteen forty. Yeah. You know, whatever, nineteen forty one. I mean, so bringing it back to the the alternate point, basically what we're going to have to say here is that that the differences regarding these fundamental questions matter. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. that's basically the point. So you can have east uh, east and west, or let's say western versus non-western, but it seems like the the way the only way to really make sense of that is precisely to look at the ideas involved there, and I guess. Because of that, if we're going to talk about non-Western, we might as well start talking about anti-Western. So what is against 
the ideas of the West on those fundamental questions. But if that's the case, so would you want to say, for example, that the Eastern answer to those questions, which Hinduism, Shintoism, all that stuff, so that has a different answer than what we're saying to the fundamental questions about the human being, freedom, etc. Would you put that in the same category as something like communism, something like Nazism? No. I, it doesn't I seem like it, right? It seems different. No. Yeah. Right? I, I wouldn't because it, because it wasn't developed as an antagonism to something that came before. Right, yeah. It was yeah. developed as the as an alternate answer to the same questions. Yeah. So with the non-Western idea, I think, yeah, there's a difference between Marxism and Hinduism in the very basic sense that Marx is continuing along this track that we have going on and what even in a very, let's just say a very common sense, we call Western civilization, right? In right. a way that everybody would acknowledge. Whereas yeah. uh, something like Hinduism is a tradition that was established separately in this right. other part of the world. Yeah. Not it doesn't start as a response. A yeah, right. It's yeah. It's, it's not. not it's, it's, not it's not in that line. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not in that line. Exactly. Now, uh, I guess what we would say in the sense of ideas, maybe you'd say that both of them. So one is Western in the broad sense; the other's not. In the sense of uh, the effects of it, or the normative sense of the West, both of them would be anti-Western. Uh, I, 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 I don't think I would define it that way. I think I would say non versus anti. Yeah. Um, okay. you know, the, the, the communism is okay. explicitly anti-Western insofar as it's going against the normative sense that we were talking about. Yeah. Hinduism, yeah. it has no context with regards to the West. It's an organic yeah. development of tradition and of the natural right. religious impulse of man, whereas that communism is true. That happens to conflict. Right. Yeah. yeah so not, that's it's that's not, what, it's not formulated against, which is why I wouldn't use anti. Yeah, I think anti just sounds weird in that context for that reason. But I guess a, a looser sense you'd want to call it that in the sense of just a natural conflict, but not conflict in the sense of Hinduism coming up in response to something that's going on in the West. It's something that's developing independently. Yeah. And the West is as well. So they're both developing independently, but it just so happens that they come to different conclusions and those conclusions are going to butt heads just logically when you put them together. Right, and they did. And when they crossed paths, they, they rejected Western and largely we rejected Eastern. Right. right? And so in that context, I yes. think we would ultimately say this, right? That there's obviously going to be a, a head butting where there's differences. But when we see the fundamental conflict of Western versus anti-Western, the us versus them. The them is going to be those going against the normative sense of Westernism. Well, on that note, I think we should wrap it up, guys. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this, the first episode of the Exiting Law podcast. Please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. And until our next episode, remember, don't let them immunitize the eschaton. See you next time.